Coach Hubert Davis is making a big push for an elite forward in the class of 2025. And hey, good news. One such player might be sitting just up the road in Charlotte. Let's go get him. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listen or watch of the day, especially you everydayers who are with us all the time. I want to welcome you in. If you're a guest, if you're new, we're so glad you're here to come on in, be part of this community with us. Coming up on the show today, we have a really intriguing listener question of a new variety. Can't wait to talk about that. And there might be some news on some changes with the transfer portal window. We'll talk about all that. But first, we want to talk about class of 2025 forward Sadiq AJ White. Uh, and I make sure to put in AJ there because um, I had seen his name everywhere as Sadiq White. But on on three's website, there was no Sadiq White. And I was like, what is going on? Are they missing him? But it's just AJ on their website. And so either name that you see from him, it's the same young man. So there you go. Learn from me right out of the gate. Now, to be clear, North Carolina, to the point of this recording, has not yet offered a scholarship to Sadiq White. But uh, I believe it's only a matter of time before that happens. He is a class of 2025 player, as I just said. He has the skills to play either forward position, small forward, or power forward. From some comments I've read from his coach, uh, his high school coach, that is, um, has that it's more based not necessarily on on his his skill set, but more based on what a coach is wanting to do, which way he could slot in, and and probably in this era of positionless basketball, honestly, could play either one. Regardless. So as I've already said, he is Sadiq is in Charlotte, North Carolina, plays at Myers Park High School. He's 6'8, 195. So, you know, needs to keep bulking up, but hey, he's just going to be a junior in high school. Let's give him a little slack here. But when you think about that, remember we talked on Tuesday's show about James Aconquo, the West Virginia transfer. He's 6'8, 240. So has you know, 45 pounds on this young man. But again, he's got plenty of time to keep beefing up. In terms of rankings, White comes in, his highest ranking is 24th. That's at 247 Sports. He's 28th, both at ESPN and Rivals. And then his lowest ranking is 41st. That's at On3. So those four recruiting services are kind of the big four we always look at. And that's why I always give you those four numbers. Now, when I look at Sadiq White, when I watch his game, watch some of his highlights, um, checking in on things he's doing, part of what really excites me is that there were a lot of things that I want to see in place that are already in place that are things you can't really work on. Some of those intangibles, things like elite level athleticism, like his positional size that he has as a 6'8", 
forward that truthfully could play small forward. And if he's doing so, I mean, we're talking like Cam Johnson type size at the three in that scenario. That's that's exactly what you're looking for. Uh, the the capability to be defensively versatile. Remember, he's six eight. I watched a play where he switched on to a smaller guard. The guard pulled up for a three. White blocks it and then winds up with a transition dunk on the other end. That is some and and it wasn't just some rando high school kid. This was in an AAU type atmosphere where that happened. So I mean, it's another high level basketball player. And from you know, I talk about those intangibles that I like to see those in place. Um, but the the one that really really jumps out right now is the defense to me, and he is a young man that he himself talks about putting priority on defense, loves it, enjoys it. And when I when I see that trajectory, that reminds me of a Theo Pinson type, of a Leaky Black type, of a recently and in class of 24, Drake Powell type. You know what I mean? And uh, the, th- the thing with Drake Powell is, once again, I heard somebody describe him the other day talking about Theo Pinson as Theo Pinson with a jump shot. And that is not yet Sadiq White. He has a shot and and um, can score and does score at a, at a high level. But in terms of calling him a true stretch four, not quite there yet. But again, two years left of high school still. And that is the thing. Every interview I've heard with him, that's what he's talking about, is I got to keep getting better shooting and I'm working hard at that. And so that that's what you want at this point. In fact, Talking, talking about those intangibles and, and working towards the things you can grow in. I read a quote from one of his high school assistant coaches, Nick Jones, who said he has some of those things I talked about, elite athleticism, positional size, defensive versatility, the things you can't teach, quote, but that the things you can teach are, I'm sorry, here's the, the part that's actually a quote, the things you can't teach, but the things that you can teach he says are quote coming along just fine end quote and i love that because it's like i mean you you got to start with what god gave you right like some some people have it and some others like me just don't but he is coming along really well in that way and in fact coach after coach davis and the coaching staff had have watched him play different multiple times and one of the things that the coaching staff has told him is hey you got to keep working on that shooting i love that they're being honest with him in their evaluations of that, but he knows it and he's going to keep coming along. Now, as you've heard me talk about before, if you're with us all the time, if not, let me catch you up to it. North Carolina has offered seven scholarships so far in the class of 2025. Three of them are backcourt players. Four of them are other forwards in this class, just like Sadiq White. And so you might say, Boy, isn't that a little overkill? Isn't that a little much? With Especially when you look at who the other players are. Cam Boozer, the number one consensus player in this class. Koa Pete, who's top three consensus player in this class. Caleb Wilson, Bryson Tiller, who was on starting with the Thompson Twins at Overtime Elite last year. The Thompson Twins that just w- both went top five in the draft. And then you add in... Sadiq White to that, who's not quite as highly ranked as those guys. But what it tells me 
is I don't think it is overkill. I think this is Coach Davis saying, listen, I got to prioritize this position because just look at the first two years of Coach Davis's tenure. You see the difference when you have a highly competent shooting capable stretch four. One year with Brady Manick, one year with Pete Nance. And I, again, I've said it so much. I really think Pete Nance's back injuries played a big role in him not doing what he fully was capable of as a shooter, but just go with it. You see the difference in those two things. And so I think Coach Davis is saying, man, I got to just get as many feelers out there to guys who can be that so that we can bring in that position. And here's the other thing. I also really like them prioritizing white if they do end up really going hard after him so as to work at keeping the high level elite in-state talent in state because of not only those other forward four offers out to forwards of all these seven offers out in the class of 25, none of them are in state young men at this point. So I would love to see that. Now, if you're wanting to watch some of him in action, Peach Jam has been going on this week and he plays for team United Sadiq White does. And for the first time is moving up to play with the 17 U team. So check that out. And interestingly, Peach Jam is where he first kind of blew up for the UNC staff last year. And so pretty cool to see that come back around this year. So again, I got to imagine that a scholarship offer is going to come at some point and hopefully a visit, whether official or unofficial, but you'd love to grab an official from him probably sometime this fall uh, at like a home football weekend. You got to uh, think that that is part of it. So we'll keep our tabs, our, our tabs out, our eyes open on Sadiq White as he progresses and, and sees what he does. But again, thankfully, he's just down the road at Charlotte and that is good news. Coming up next, we have our first ever listener submitted video question as I've been asking for. And we're going to dive into that in just a second, but I'm going to keep you in suspense as to what it is. But before we get there, I need to tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to over under to who you think's going to hit the first home run in a baseball game. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus, when you win, you get paid instantly by FanDuel. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, we're getting into it. Our first ever listener submitted video question. Uh, if you would like to be one of those, I know uh, several everydayers have asked about this. Easy as pie. All you got to do just on your phone, preferably in landscape mode, but portrait mode is fine. Record a 15, 10 to 15 second video. Give us your name, 
Give us where you're from and ask your question. And on an upcoming show or on a mailbag episode, I will use that. You'll be able to see your face. You'll be able to hear your voice, whatever type of way you watch or listen to the program. And it's just a fun way to continue growing our community all together. And you can email that to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. All right, here we go. Let me play it for you. Here it comes from our guy, one of my favorite listeners and uh, friends of the program, Mr. Big Kush. Hi, my name is Big Kush. I'm from Burlington, North Carolina. And my question is, do you feel Carolina will make the NCAA tourney this year? Thanks so much, Big Kush, for submitting that question. Just to make sure you heard it, he was asking, hey, do you feel that North Carolina is going to make the NCAA tourney this year? And on first listen, you might hear that or watch it and think, why on earth, Isaac, would you use that like that? Of course they're going to. But really? Because did you see what happened last year? North Carolina became the first ever AP preseason number one to not make the NCAA tournament. This is not a given. And so here's the thing. I want to take this question seriously. Because, yeah, it's easy to assume, yeah, of course they're going to make the NCAA tournament this year. But in this transfer portal era, and especially given all the roster upheaval Carolina has had this offseason, there are no givens, there are no guarantees. Because, again, every one of us last season, last offseason at this point, would have been like, well, of course. They're bringing back four-fifths of their starting lineup from a team that almost won the national championship. Of course they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They didn't. You know it, and I know it. And and here's the thing. If, if North Carolina were to miss the NCAA tournament again this upcoming season, let me tell you the historic nature of it in terms of North Carolina notoriety. If North Carolina misses the tournament, it would obviously be back-to-back years. Do you know how often that has happened for North Carolina? I'm going to let you guess. Give me a number of times you think Carolina has missed the NCAA tournament in the 64 team era, what I like to call the modern era of the NCAA tournament, which dates back to the 84 85 season. Take a guess or pause the show while you think. And I'm going to give you the answer in three, two, one. This has only happened one time to North Carolina in the modern NCAA tournament era. And again, what I mean by that is since 1985, when the field expanded to 64 teams, and I know it's more than that right now, but I just mean 64 or more teams, that North Carolina only once has missed it in back-to-back seasons. And you can probably guess what that is. It's 01-02 season and the 02-03 season just prior to Roy Williams coming back. That is the only time that North Carolina has missed it both years. That means if they do not make the 24 NCAA tournament, just the second time ever, and you don't want the ignominy of that. So, yes, I want to take this question seriously because it would be a grave and and grim uh, reality for North Carolina. So, Kush, Big Kush, I believe that the answer to this question is yes. North Carolina will make the NCAA tournament this year. But it is hard to know because because of the era we're in there. You you just don't have the roster consistency from year to year. 
And I think there there is kind of a fun and intriguing level to that nationwide, right? Like I I cover college basketball nationwide for Locked On College Basketball. Go check it out, folks, if you've never listened to it. And so I see this. This is not just an issue for North Carolina. This is nationwide. But let me give you all three reasons why I think that North Carolina will make the NCAA tournament this year. Number one, urgency. Man, you It's just after a season like last year where everyone feels that letdown. There there is an urgency for the and I know there's only four returning players, but they're going to feel a deep sense of urgency. You even see it in there's more there were more pickup games late at night during the two camp sessions this year, more more so than last year. You, you've got to know that Armando and RJ feel this responsibility as senior leaders of this team to get the team back. You know that the coaching staff is feeling the urgency of what do we have to do to ensure that that never happens to us again, right? So after last season's letdown, there is a sense of urgency. Reason number two, I really legitimately believe that this team has a better mix than last year's team of the things you need whether that's shooting. I think Carolina has better shooting, whether that's the ability to share the ball. There are multiple players on this team that I think are highly capable um, assist men at, at all sorts of various positions, not just in the backcourt, like a guy like Harrison Ingram, who is legit point forward type. Another part of the, the better team mix, I think, is defense. Tar Heels weren't a great defensive team last year, and I think they... Um, can grow in that. I mean, they weren't terrible. They weren't awful, but I, I think they can grow in that. And then the third reason I'll give you that I fully expect them to make the NCAA tournament this year is that they have a floor general now. And I know I'm putting a lot on Elliot Cadeau and I know a lot, probably all of us are, but I fully expect him to live up to what he's capable of this year. And I think he will. And I think you all out there think he will. But when North Carolina has someone that can legitimately facilitate the offense in a way that we haven't seen in essentially a decade, it just changes what you're able to do. It enhances the skill sets of everyone else on the floor. And I I just think that equates to making it to the NCAA tournament. And oh, by the way, keep in mind, point guards are what make teams go in the NCAA tournament. So there's that. So for those three reasons, obviously there's more, but I think those are three of the central reasons why Carolina will make it. Now, keep in mind, I, I'm to the point where I don't, I don't think Hubert Davis is in any trouble, but if the Tar Heels don't make the tournament this season, you're going to start hearing a lot of hot seat chatter. It just is what it is. I, I hate that, and I don't like it, and I don't frankly agree with it, but that's where we're at. Now, a secondary question to Big Kush's primary question for me would be, assuming North Carolina makes it into the NCAA tournament this year, what seed will they get? Now, obviously, I'm we're talking about this on in early July. We don't even fully know the roster or the schedule yet. So hear, hear that side of it. But I, I think a four seed is a very reasonable projection for North Carolina right now. Now, they're going to have to have a better regular season than they have either of the past two years. Because remember, they were not exactly a top-level seed the year that they made the run, the 2022 run to the national championship. So I feel like moving... 
taking that step and being a four seed is a is a reasonable projection for this team. Great question, Big Kush. Thank you so much. Folks, why don't you get your questions in, your video uh, submitted questions, and make sure you are the next one to get one on the show. Well, folks, after just one academic year of the NCAA instituted transfer portal windows, we may already be getting some adjustments to those, and I believe it's for the better. We'll talk about it in just a second. Okay, here we go, folks. The news came out midweek last week. Actually had some other things I was already doing and had planned for the show. So just slotted it to get it in when I could. Couldn't do it earlier this week just with other uh, flipping the calendar to July stuff. But want to make sure to talk about it. So even though we're a week or so behind on this news cycle, I, I just want to make sure you've all heard it. So the Division One Council, which is just part of the Division One committee that um, oversees changes and, and makes suggestions and things like that, um, is proposing a change that would take the transfer portal window, which was 60, this 60 days this past season, and bump it down to 30 days, literally cutting it in half. Now that's specific to basketball and several of the other winter sports. You know, in, in the NCAA, we have fall, winter, and spring sports. So this, this um, side of things, cutting it in half would, would be for all of them because all three seasons of sports have, excuse me, had 60-day transfer portal windows this season, but the winter sports had a consecutive 60-day window while it was broken up into 45 and 15 or 15 and 45 for the fall and spring sports. And so part of the reason they're doing this is to truncate it, to make it more viable for coaching staffs to, you know, not have as much going on. Um, and then also because they, they just looking at the data saw that a high percentage of the student athletes who jumped into the transfer portal did so pretty quickly. And so um, that that's what we're looking at here. And so here, here's where I'm at. I love it. I think this is a great idea. And, and I know there are going to be people out there that say, that's too quick. We've only had a year and there's no point in going ahead and changing it right out of the gate. But for me, I say, if it's broken even a little bit, go ahead and fix it. There's no reason to sit around just because you don't want to look silly. Because for me, and this is a hard thing for me, like in, in my leadership, in, in other things that I do in life, I want to roll out things that are perfect. I, I work hard at doing that. And it bugs me to have to roll something out, not knowing if it's going to go perfectly or not. But something I've come to learn in the past couple of years is that it's actually, to me, better leadership to not um, be moved to inaction because something isn't perfect. I, I now believe that it's better to, to work as much out as you can, roll something out, and then learn from what goes well and poorly about it. The things that go well, keep them, enhance them. The things that go poorly, fix what needs to be fixed. But don't let your fear of imperfection lead to inactivity. And so um, for once, you know, I, I'm, I'm hard on the NCAA, but in this case, I need to praise them. Like when I think they do something well, let's, let's say good job. And I think good job here by saying, hey, 60 days was too much. Let's slice this thing in half. So you start something, see what works and what doesn't, and you adjust accordingly. And that's what's happening here. 
So part of this for me is that creating the transfer portal windows is absolutely the right move. Remember that the, again, this was the first off season of it last off season. It was just like, all right, whatever, go ahead jump in the transfer portal. So having the windows is right. And then tweaking the, the length of the window as necessary is also the correct tweak. But the question become like the question is when should it start? Because the way it was defined previously was that the transfer portal window would open the day after championship selections were made for each sport. So for football, for example, that means the day after the CFP pairings were announced and the bowl games were announced, the next day the transfer portal opens. For college basketball, for example, it's you've got the selection show on Sunday and then the next day on Monday, the transfer portal opens. And man, to me, that's just wildly to unfair to all the teams participating in postseason play. Um, for example, I, I remember it uh, at the final four in 2022, coach Davis talking about, listen, I'm trying to have to figure out this balance of preparing for the opponent right in front of me, preparing for the two opponents we might play if we win this game, all the while trying to field transfer portal calls so I can think ahead to next year's roster because they got me doing all this at the same time. That's just wild. Now that, that off season, again, as I just said, the, the transfer portal 60 day window wasn't a thing, but the same truth would have applied this off season. And so for me, I, I would rather wait and not start it when it did. Let's have this 30 day window, but delay the start of it this year. For example, for men's college basketball, the transfer portal opened on Monday, March 13th and 60 days later was Thursday, May 11th. What what if you waited until after the national championship game so that you've got zero teams having to try to juggle preparing and still playing games and transfer portal recruiting? So, for example, if you did it for third, did the portal for 30 days the day after the national championship game, this year would have been Tuesday, April 4th through Wednesday, May 3rd. Man, it's my mom's birthday. What do you know? Happy birthday, mom. Or I think even better. The national championship game is always on a Monday. It ends really late because they start it ridiculously late, which I will never understand. Why not wait and do it the next Monday, a week later? That gives you time to let the news cycle of the national championship uh, run its course and wear down. And then the next Monday becomes free, like off-season free agency, like we're going through with the NBA right now. You know, like that just feels like it would give it its own life a little better and some demarcation from the end of the previous season. And in that option, this, like if we had done that this year, the 30 day window would have been Monday, April 10th through Tuesday, May 9th. And remember it actually ended this year on Thursday, May 11th, just two days later. And so you essentially, it runs to the same in, in that scenario that I'm proposing, it would run to the same point of the calendar. It would just start 30 days later. But again, we're all still enjoying basketball and these coaches, whether they're in the NCAA tournament, NIT, CBI, whatever it is, they need to be able to focus on the end of the season and not like, oh, I'm getting behind because these other teams that didn't make the offseason can go ahead and do what they need to do. So it makes me think like, hey, if, if we had that in place this year, would that have changed the calculus on North Carolina accepting an NIT invite? Remember, because essentially the reason 
Coach Davis stated at least that they wanted to not do it was so that they could get a head start on on this upcoming season's roster. Now, I know we also know that essentially the guys were done. So maybe they still, you know, like done, like we don't want to do it anymore. So maybe they still don't play, but yeah, who knows? It could have made for some different calculus. And so it could be a healthy thing for the NIT and the CBI to have more participation from teams that are invited. So just keep all of that in mind. The other thing I'm curious about is for fall and spring sports, which were divided into two separate windows that added up to 60. They were 45 days. For example, football was 45 days in the fall, 15 days after spring practice. How would that, I'm imagining you would just go 15 and 15 for that. Keep the spring 15 and cut the fall from 45 to 15 and maybe start it later as well. Just, it's hard to know. So here's where this goes from here. After all the various committees weigh in and and get intel and thoughts from people, they're going to vote on this, the D1 Council, when they have their meeting in October. So we still got a couple months till we find out if this is going to be a thing or not. And I'm also curious to see, like, if they voted in, would they enact it for next offseason immediately? Or since we're already in that cycle, would they... probably wait and institute it for the 2024-25 academic year. That seems the more likely scenario to me. Now, obviously, there's a lot of kinks to work out with this. It's it's not just going to be like, well, of course that way. You know, like, what about the teams that don't make the offseason and all their players want to go ahead and jump in the portal immediately? Well, they can go ahead behind the scenes and do it and make it official when it becomes official. Whatever. So there's going to be kinks to work out, as with any change. But I think, I believe that shortening the transfer portal window to 30 days is a big win for the NCAA. Friends, that does it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would, go leave us a review. Five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can find reviews. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. You can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. And also don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button to let us know you're here, and leave comments on your thoughts on today's episode. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk to you tomorrow, but until then, peace. Peace.